Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 197, recorded at River Road Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, we're brought to you by the Herbal Nerd Society, a special group of people that decided they wanted to help support us and the practical herbalists and everything that we do. So, Candace, tell us about the Herbal Nerd Society. The Herbal Nerd Society is a collection of absolutely amazing people. Uh, not only do they support us, but we offer them some special content each month and definitely a big thank you each month. Mm-hmm. We do have a little bit of a surprise that might jar you. If you're not already a Marble Nerd Society member, now might be the best time to jump in and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. For our Herbal Nerd Society members, um, the the price of the monthly is going to go up. We, you know, I'm sorry to say our bills have definitely increased. Yeah. So we we need to be able to continue doing the work that we do, and your sponsorship helps us pay those bills. And we try to offer a little extra as an extra thank you, not just that warm, fuzzy feeling of of helping yeah. the podcast and the website and the, you know, books to continue to go out. But, you know, that that does have a cost and we really are grateful for that. But we are going to have to ask for a little bit more so we can cover it. Yeah. So if you're not already a member, you might want to get in on it before the price goes up for mm-hmm. folks who have been members or are longstanding continuous members. Your prices will stay the same. Yep. So you'll be grandfathered in just as you are. New folks, get in now because mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's a yep. great place to be. Yeah, definitely. Well, we also had a, a thank you this summer. We did a book mm-hmm. giveaway for just for people that joined the Herbal Nerd Society. We took a drawing from that, the new group, and then we took a drawing from um, existing Herbal Nerd Society members. And, yeah. We're able to send out two copies, uh, free copies of uh, Maria Noel Grove's book, Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies. And that was a fun book. So, yeah, yeah there are advantages. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. As always, uh, follow us on the socials, um, Pinterest, uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us at hashtag The Practical Herbalist, um, at The Practical Herbalist on Facebook. Um, Enjoying enjoy the conversations. If you have something to say, I'd love to hear it. Show you, share your photos. Um, and reviews. Right. With that, on with the show. Well, we had Jimmy Betts in last week. And uh, wow, I, you know, I thought it was going to be one kind of interview. It was going to be all about survival herbalism. And it was going to be just this gritty kind of talk about, you know, herbs when you cut your finger off you know that kind of stuff and (laughs) it turned out to be something completely different and we talked about a whole myriad of other topics including meditation and and, and key um, medical qigong medical Mm -hmm. qigong i mean all those different things so that was a very uh, different podcast for us and uh, i think you i'm listening i'm i was excited but i want to really hear what you and sue have to say about it so Without further ado, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Radio. Yeah, it was funny, Sue. When you said that we were having Jimmy on, you were like, "What?" all you told me was he does he does TMC and, and first aid. So I'm picturing someone kind of like, you know, like what Seven Song does, going out into these groups, right. like... Um, conferences and things or in his case i thought perhaps you know since i knew he had the social activism thing mm-hmm. he'd probably be out where activists are doing stuff mm-hmm. and um, he does that and yeah, yeah and i was and i was expecting that he would be doing sort of a a little bit like jamie sabkowski did with the 
you know, being out there on the front lines and that mm-hmm. there would be all this like first aid stuff. And it would be kind of like listening to a combination of prepper using Chinese herbs. No, it wasn't that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. it was so much more relaxed. Right. You know, he was much more peaceful and calm than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, he is a professional activist. He mm-hmm. gets funded uh, through the community to go through different places and train folks not only how to how to do the healing part that he does, but that preventative yeah. stuff, which is, you know, don't be an idiot. Like just <laughs> right. <laughs> you could try listening to people. Like yeah. mo- most of the thing about um, getting yourself into trouble is just poor listening skills and yeah. being reactive instead of looking at the environment and activism is supposed to be about communication. Yeah. So that's unfortunately some people get a little, they get a little riled up and that's a good energy to, to inspire yourself on, but it also means that you can make some pretty foolhardy decisions. Yes. And when people do that, then of course he's there with the physical part of it, but a huge part of his job really is getting, getting people into the mindset of um, healing um, starting with themselves yeah, and then sharing that with others. Right. So I don't recall myself having my mind changed when someone was yelling at me. I don't remember ever that, that occurring as well. No, I, no, it tends to put me on the defensive. And then I see the person that is in, also engaged as with the yelling as being the villain. Yeah. As opposed yeah. To, it turns, uh, it sets up a black and white situation right. or an us, them. Uh, yeah. And then they in turn see me as the villain too. So instead of, you know, someone that is sharing wisdom or a problem solving experience. Yeah. And that kind of thing is just, that's his, that's his bread and butter. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm sure he's saved countless lives and changed countless lives. I'm um, sure. Yeah. That too. I think that's a prevent, uh, preventative medicine that um, herbalists really would do well to Mm -hmm. add to their repertoire. Yeah, I, I think taking the time to sit and listen and just be with the problem, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is one of the key pieces of healing. Yep. Anything, really. But yeah. it, it seems, at least in the work that I've done so far, that's been a key part of, of being able to be successful and see success with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that he, he stated was um, not being a force, but a guide. Yeah. You know, which is yeah. how medicine works anyway. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, our 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 job as as herbalists are are really have very little to do with tourniquets. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not into the heroic medicine, really. Yeah. I mean, herbal herbs and plants aren't about forcing the issue. Mm-hmm. They're usually about guiding the issue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and changing mm-hmm. that that part within ourselves. You know that. Um, we some of the traditions that I was raised with are far more uh, reactive and yeah. defensive. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Patrick made it. Sorry, I, 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 I honestly didn't think that was going to happen. Stop I'm, screwing around, okay. you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Wow. It's not me. This time. <laughs> oh my god! Now you know that listeners. You know we have electronics here. Yeah. So there's a little there's a little look behind the behind the curtain. Right. I'm just yeah. gonna go sit in the corner now. Feel no, shame. don't feel shame. 
Don't okay. feel shame. It's funny. It's all shame. good. Just yeah. breathe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just breathe. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really crazy what he was talking about with doing that survivalist camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really thought that was going to be different than what it turned into. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Let me guess. It turned into something very um, redneck, conservative, militant, terrible mm-hmm. kind of thing. Very, yes, correct. So yeah. they, the people that had put it on, had it um, with the idea that, you know, you would learn how to survive in these situations and right. be able to teach others mm-hmm. and uh, what Jimmy noticed was um, one, he was one of the few people of color there. Right. Yeah. That's so not surprising. Like, actually, right. A huge yeah. chunk of, of um, white gentlemen. And then, yeah, gentlemen, they were, they were dudes. Mm-hmm. And um, my experience working with a vulnerable population is the people that have actually been kidnapped mm-hmm. and that in that scenario, they have all been um, young, young women. So it was, this was supposed to be training for like if you're kidnapped or something. Right. Uh, there was a lot of that and how to survive. Wow. Like there was several weeks of it, how to survive in the wilderness. And, you know, like we had said in the show that they started yeah. them with a tarp and, you know, how to make fire and all that kind of stuff. And, and then they kept taking away different pieces of that. So now you don't get a tarp now. So you have to make your own shelter. And now here's our fire site. Our fire skills, you know, you're going to have to use that because we're taking away your matches and different things like that. And he had said, and he didn't mention this on the show, but they, the people, when they started off, they had their different camping things that they started with. They had, like, I believe he had a, a tent, mm-hmm. sleeping bag, all that. And there were people that they totally glam camped it. <laughs> you know, they had elevated tent. Yeah. Know, they yeah, had. Yeah. Yeah, they had the propane. It was it was gorgeous, and boy, that was that was quite a variation for them. Yeah, because that was all taken away, and then the end, they just had a knife. Right. So okay, go out and survive for a while with this this knife. Wow, <laughs> that sounds far more intense than I want to experience myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From 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 glamping to Rambo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a heck of an experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is you paid for that. And you right. paid for the privilege. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he he found it interesting to be exposed to that population as well. Yeah. You know, and, and hearing some of the concerns that people have on that end. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of defensiveness that he noticed that I'm sure our listeners are not very surprised to hear about um, a lot of preparation for things that none of us want to actually experience, Right. you know, but um, he felt that the the reality was, is that the people that really needed those skills weren't there. No. Yeah. Those, those wouldn't be the people that would be likely to be kidnapped if that's what the real focus was supposed to be. For, or, yeah, or even, or ways. even if society crumbles or something happens, you know, where you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. it's you know, mm-hmm. it, where society changes. I think yep. that's where they're. Yeah. Yep. And society is changing. Living uh, rough in an urban environment is exactly what the unhoused population do, and right. they're more unhoused now yeah. than yeah. there have been before. I believe there was a uh, over thirty thirty two percent increase in unhoused in Lane County, which is where we're broadcasting from, right. um, from 
2018 uh, to the 2019 survey. Yeah. So that's happening now, and that's yeah. living rough. Well, so, and we and know that we know that a goodly portion of that did come out of forest fires in other other states and fires, other regions. Yep, and crumbling economic and, infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So that's that's pretty tough. Many of the people that I talk to, they have incomes, they have jobs, they have incomes. They yeah. just they just can't get into a house. Yeah, that's the irony <laughs> of this particular county and this state. Perhaps is that our our cost of living. Overall, groceries and that sort of thing is not horribly high, but our housing is horribly oh, expensive, gosh, yeah. and our incomes are ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at it. It's not logical the way that we right our structure I mean, is. Our I economics. can't recommend any of my family to move here. No, because they have more than they need um, where they're at because their dollar goes farther because of their housing and their home. Mm-hmm. If they sell everything there. Even if they moved here, they wouldn't have enough to get into a home. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So I just tell people, you know, my dad has talked about it and I said, no, don't come here. Yeah. You, the Midwestern people we know were like, you know, nope, stay there. You, yeah. You'll, there's more, you'll get more for what you have there than you will here. Yeah. And that's just too bad, but mm-hmm. it is what yeah. it is. Yep. But uh, uh, there are a lot of people that have come up like from California or mm-hmm. other places. There have been natural disasters around. Sure. Yeah. When we're going to see it, we had. So many yeah. tornadoes this year, for example, we'll see more people migrating, coming to live with family and, and couch surfing there supposedly for a while. And then it turns longer and longer. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of rough. Yeah. It's kind of rough. So. Yeah. I mean, the average home in Oregon, median home is 320000 the average income is forty five thousand for the state of Oregon. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's dropped over the last five or six years. So mm-hmm. we make less money. But the houses cost way more. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it's nonsensical. Yeah. This mm-hmm. makes sense. I yeah. mean, it makes sense in that I understand some of the precipitating factors for the ridiculous prices on housing, but it's not healthy for the community. No, it's not. And there's no controls for that. We don't right. have rent control here. Yeah. Well, even, but, you know, like, like I, I only know because I keep track of it in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometime I'll move back. I don't know, but I keep track of it. So the same study, the same thing as Minnesota. The uh, median income is fifty five thousand higher they, than here, and then the mm-hmm. average home price, median home price, is two hundred. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, it's significantly. Yeah, not right. only are you making more money, but the house is one hundred and twenty thousand less. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and part of that is because there aren't a lot of wealthy people that thought, "Oh, Minnesota is a great place to go buy some land and some houses, and we'll just settle there and then rent them out." Yeah. Or an arm and a leg. Whereas well, that's exactly what's happened here is that we have two neighboring states that have some very wealthy people that felt it would be nice to relocate to a smaller community or a place that's a little less wild, wildfire prone or mm-hmm, a little right. more damp, less dry. And, right. And, oh, you can even get, you know, get a nice place near the coast. And Yep. And we also well, have a small collection of rental companies that mm-hmm. own a huge population of the apartments and then right. houses that are for rent. And they are just ripping people off left and right. And there is no recompense for that. It a just surprising happens. number of those those owners of those rental companies are not local. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even yeah, to mm-hmm. potentially our country. They don't, you know, they don't live here and yeah. they don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the double-edged sword with... I know we've gone off on a tangent, but the double-edged sword, I think, too, here is like you like the idea that there's this urban growth boundary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, no more lands being inside that urban growth boundary. So once the home is there, it doesn't get 
tore down mm-hmm. or whatever. And so the houses that come in to replace it are massive multi-dwelling homes mm-hmm. in a small residential area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, frustrating when you're living in a place where the whole neighborhood is all single-story houses with maybe your one one or two oddball two-stories that are not that horrible. And then suddenly a high-rise goes in mm-hmm. and what privacy you had in the city is gone. gone. Mm-hmm. People see right into your windows and your houses, all the little one-story houses are tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking about large houses where there's any and there's no basements, mm-hmm. so you're gonna live with your curtains closed all the time. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. A friend, <laughs> you know? a friend of ours in Portland yeah. they bought a place. It was really, you know they liked it, but one of those high condensed huh. things right in their little pocket of neighborhood. They you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. no one knew this was coming in. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's the only way they can do it now. Is they can't build out. They have to build up. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so the be. so the, on the flip side of that. Minnesota doesn't have those urban growth boundaries. No. So that's why it takes an hour to cross Minneapolis-St. Paul. Oh. Or more, depending. With no traffic. You know, (laughs) and and that was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Now, I'm I'm sure to go from, you know, the north end to the south end, it's probably 90 minutes. Yeah. Easy. Wow. And you're still in the metro area, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have the land that they just keep. Taking and taking and taking, you know, mm-hmm. new developments come out and do, they do things. So it's a little different, but so I, I like the idea of keeping things, you know, condensed, mm-hmm. but then there's the other side of it where no new homes are being made and what is being made are usually really, really expensive or they're really these high, you know, these three or four unit dwelling units that they're putting yep. in. So. And then what we run into is we have a change in our environment because we've changed it because of growth of population, but we haven't made infrastructure changes right. yeah. to accommodate that. So our, our roads are, are not big enough to accommodate that. Yeah. Our, our public transportation isn't big enough. We don't have yeah. – uh, there are so many homes in my neighborhood that are empty. They're really? just empty. Yeah. That makes no sense. Well, people can't afford to buy them. Right. Yeah, nobody can afford to buy them. And so, so they, they just stand empty. Meanwhile, they put up high density housing, you know, around the corner or down the block that they will eventually charge exorbitant rent prices yep. for instead of, you know, doing something to re- reduce the overall cost right. of housing so that people can afford to actually live in the community. Well, what they keep doing in Eugene, I don't know about other parts, is they'll they'll come to the developers will come to city council and they'll say, hey, we want to build this. Low income housing. That's the, that's the thing they say. Oh, yeah, they that's, say that's over and claim. over and over. Yeah, that's again. their keyword. They to get build them in. it up, and they're like, "But don't charge us, or don't we don't want to have to pay taxes for that?" And like, "Oh, okay, great." So they low income, no great. low income. That's what we need. And then they actually build and say, "Oh, dun 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 dun." Actually, we were it's high income. So yeah. for some of these apartments that were supposed to be low income, people are paying what I'm paying for mortgage on my. Um, my five bedroom house. Yeah. And it's a one bedroom apartment. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's what they consider a low income. But they're, well, they're, they're, no, they're, they're, no, they're just, I, I they're just, I, no they one just holds them. Do it. No, no one yeah, holds them to the fire. Ex- exactly. Yeah. No one, yeah. no one, there's no accountability. Them, no one takes them to task and says, yep. okay, this is what you said you were doing. Yeah. Now it's billed. You owe us taxes. Yeah. 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 But that doesn't happen. So, no. and that's, and it's starting to happen in Springfield. And that's too. a, that's mm-hmm. a problem with the local government, not, mm-hmm. you know, enforcing, they'll mm-hmm. enforce all these other things, but it's like, that's the kind yeah. of stuff that drastically changes the city. Yep. Yeah. And it's the big way. stuff that matters. Yeah. 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 
They're really easy about enforcing whether or not you have a grease trap or, you know, yeah, this right? or that or the other for the mm-hmm, city code. Yeah. But boy, you talk about that. They don't, they don't mess with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Things that actually influence our daily life in a big yeah. way. And it just, well, well whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so how did we even get there? Oh, <laughs> oh all that survivalist stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You in know? the end of the world and society as we know yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Well, there's entropy and we always have to work put energy into into stopping entropy if you don't put energy into something it will crumble that's Mm -hmm. basic physics and that applies to society as well so you have to be willing to keep putting energy into something and supporting it otherwise you're going to have crumbling and what Mm -hmm. i know about um working in construction with you know my my partners uh Sierra Lupe construction is you go in was that a shameless plug that was a shameless plug plug. Um, all right that uh, well, he'll go in and someone says, oh, I just need this issue patched. And then there's what is called wolves in the walls. And there's yeah. dry rot or there's yeah, ants. There's or there's huge problems. And it just turns yeah. bigger and bigger and it keeps going down farther than what you had seen before yeah. because it just wasn't managed before. People yeah. thought it was just fine and it wasn't. And it no. got worse without yeah. noticing. And now it's a huge issue. And that's yeah. what I think we've got in our society right now is we've got things that can be fixed, but you have to be willing to deal with the big issue instead of just the little, let's just arrest. Stop band-aiding or, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fix some of those policies. Yeah. Well, hmm. That's, that's, that is my idea. And that as a preventative, there's preventative measures that mm-hmm. we have to have for that as a society. And then, you know, it goes back to ourselves. Are we, are we alert? Are we noticing? Are we educating ourselves about how the buildings how work around us about the vehicles mm-hmm. that we drive? You know, yeah. it's all it's all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I am a better herbalist if I am keep keeping my tools in place and yeah. then maintained. And my my car needs to be in good working mm-hmm. um, condition. Otherwise, I can't get out to helping people. It's all I don't have the luxury of just saying, well, I'm a herbalist. Just, so I just have to keep my scissors sharp and my bottles cleaned. You know, it's it's. Mm-hmm. It's all have, having to do with society, and my backyard should have things that that work on the broader perspective, not just growing little herbs for whatever, but things that yeah keep me balanced, that that bloom and make mm-hmm. me happy when I go outside and have lovely smells. Things that attract wildlife, so mm-hmm. the wildlife around me that that provide such um, majesty and health for the community. Like I need to have that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a big, it's a big issue, and yeah. I can feel overwhelming. But you just one foot in front of the other, <laughs> right? You know, the first year I planted snowberries, yeah. it, it wasn't medicine for me. It was it was medicine for the pollinators. Yeah, well, and that felt really good. And now I see yeah. it kind of taking over this shaded little patch, and like, oh, you go, you Yay. go, no, hey, <laughs> hey, yep. And then that made it possible to put in some other plants that work well in that kind of environment because, you know, I'm not, not, uh, it, I'm not clearing out the leaf litter and there are things that can, that go really well with the snowberry and mm-hmm. just keeps going on and on and on. And, you know, being able to have the yarrow growing in, uh, near the heat pump, which is a lot more, mm-hmm. um, environmentally friendly and just, yeah, it all feels, it all feels nice. Yeah. Oh, and the heat pump when it blows out 
air, uh-huh. it blows it right past the yarrow. So when you go by it, it, it actually feathers. smells nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty. <laughs> That's a side tip. That's yeah, a side, side tip. tip. If you want to have your uh, yard aromatic, mm-hmm. put aromatic plants by the exhaust of your heat pump. Yes. <laughs> so the little the little leaves are waving to me and they smell nice. Oh, it's very cute. Yep. Yeah. So do you have herbs in your yard or in your house? Because you grow things internally too that you feel mm. are good grounding, preventative, like spiritual medicine for you. All the plants really ultimately are spiritual medicine for me, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, I have rose geranium that I grow um, on my, in my inside on the aeroponic garden, which is like right oh, in inside? the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see them there. I planted yeah. a whole bunch of rose geranium this year too. Yeah, huh. I've got, I've got one in the pot outside, but I've got the rose geranium inside that is also there. Mm-hmm. And I just started a rosemary inside on the aeroponic garden as well. Both the one I gave you? Um, well, it was a cutting from that oh, one, okay. I think. Huh. Um, and then. So those ones are ones that I keep inside just because they're they're good. Yeah, right? and they're fragrant you know? and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean our my yard is one giant spiritual place. Let's put it that yeah. way. You know. The altars. Yeah. Turn our I mean it's into. it is. And and for me the Douglas fir is the one who governs all of it. Mm-hmm. And, the Douglas fir showed me where to put the cramp bark that you gave me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really quite clear. It was the one and only spot probably in the whole yard that isn't filled with roots and rocks. Right. And, you know, he knew exactly where to plant it. And he's like, right there. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it was the easiest digging I've ever done in my life. I mean, <laughs> it was shocking. And I had to dig a, like a 10-inch hole or something right. like that. I mean, it was not a tiny plant. Yeah. You know, it, was bark, a, yeah. it was a deeper plant. And... Um, for reasons slightly unknown, and I'm I'm really grateful for them. My dog is not peeing all over that cramp bark. Nice. Anything I put in my yard, my dog wants to pee all over it. It's mm-hmm. really irritating. Mm-hmm. So unless I put it in a raised bed that's at least 18 inches tall, it's going to get peed on. Like right. the irises that I moved because they were in the way um, when I moved my bog in the back. Yeah. I moved them into the front and he's running around peeing on all of them all the time. Like they, you're probably uh, going to kill them off. We'll I see, got more irises but, if you need that. Well, and are they white? <laughs> are they white irises? Are uh, the tall, the super tall ones or yeah. the Siberian? I don't know. Mine have white flowers. Okay. Which, you know, I'm, I'm, I have both. Okay. I would like, <laughs> I, li- I would like ones that are not white. Not that okay. I don't love the white ones, but that's all I've got is oh, okay. white ones that are in various spots. Then they were there when we moved in and mm-hmm. well, I couldn't get rid of any irises. So no. they're still there, but, okay. but yeah, my dog pees all over everything. So for reasons unknown, he has for the most part, not peed on the cramp bark as far as I can tell, okay. which I'm thankful for. Sure. So, and I, I mean, at that area, I want to turn that into more of a Oregon woodland, you know, stuff that would grow comfortably there. But, right. You know, it's going to take me a long time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some things you just have to let it, let it sit a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, definitely, I know when I go into the woods, then there are plants that I always 
always looking yeah. for. And some of them I grow in my yard, some of them I can't. For people that don't have, like they might have a basement apartment or something like that. If you can't grow plants, you can still build a, a living herbarium mm-hmm. or, a, or a, a feeling of that with dried plants. Yes. You yeah. That getting the cuttings and I've seen people take, they've got rosemary and sage mm-hmm. and things like that, that they have over their doorways or, yeah, you know, just little things like that. You can, of course, add lights, the full spectrum yeah. lights for growing things indoors, which can be a, a little, little difficult. I know some people, they have um, aquariums with fish and oh, they're yeah. the only plants that they can grow is the ones in that fish tank. Right. Right. With the fish. With the fish. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that is, um, and that's soothing and comforting and it's, uh, it's valuable as well. Mm-hmm. The ideally is that you've just got something growing there, but what about those air plants? How do those do with limited light? And I'm looking at you, Candice, they, because they do well with limited light, although uh-huh. you're going to want to give them. You're going to want to find a way to give them full spectrum light, like swap them out. So like, for instance, before I had the aeroponic garden that I currently have with the light system that it's got, Mm -hmm. uh, what I ended up doing was with all my little Tillandsias, which is the Mm -hmm. name of the air plants, with all of those little ones, I had a spot by the window where I would give them sun for you know, several months, then I would swap them out with the ones that were further deeper into the house where they weren't getting as much light. Mm-hmm. So I would just kind of rotate them around every month or so. Okay. So that the ones, as they soaked up the light, they usually do a pretty good job of storing a lot of the nutrition and stuff. And then, you know, you can kind of, you can pay attention to them, but you know, they're, they're surprisingly hardy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't most people, the way they kill it is by overwatering them. Yes. Yes. And I'm definitely never going to manage to kill any plant by overwatering, <laughs> except perhaps the one that I put in the one pot and then forgotten left it out. So the rain was overwatering it. It's oh. not my, no, it wasn't me. That was mother nature overwatering that. Pot, okay. Which, you know, yep. I should know better. Yeah. But <laughs> yep. and I, I know some people have trouble they have pets that get into their um their p- indoor plants and yeah um little those little uh cats especially are cats especially yes yeah yes for yeah yeah so i have these huge glass aquarium looking things they are just i think you're supposed to put decorative pasta in it or something oh nice <laughs> so i've i put some um and put like high moisture plants in there, oh, ones nice. that weren't yeah. doing very well um, with the dry heat that we have in our house. And I just put that in there and they're going gangbusters. Nice. They're doing extremely well. And you nice. don't need a tight fitting lid for that, but it's just And they're been, protected they're from... protected from... Uh, our cat, Rainy, is the problem. Yeah. She she just thinks everything is so interesting. And at some point it's got to go in her mouth. Yeah. So Awesome. Yes. <laughs> she's a snot... Yeah. So, and, and for plants that um, can, can deal with that, there's a, I'm sure there's probably a number of books that will give you guidance on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was so pleased to see that I could have a plant right next to my sewing machine because mm-hmm. Rainy likes to jump up there and kind of check things out inappropriately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I have my back turned, then she, I hear the chewing sound. Yeah. So having that <laughs> nice. little, what is it? Uh, 
it's not an aquarium. I can't remember what it's called. Terrarium. Terrarium. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, having a terrarium there was yeah. nice. And then I have a plastic animal assortment from when the kids are little that are mm-hmm. just like little cute. plastic boats or whatever that are in there as well, all over the place. Oh, that's cute. Yep. A little tiny Godzilla and a, and mm-hmm. a little turtle um, and then a ship that I think might perpetually feel in peril. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but fun. it's fun. Yeah. Fun. So I, I I think that there are ways of of changing your life by putting plants in. Yeah. You know, of course, uh, bouquets are fabulous, too. Mm-hmm. But there's so much joy that I just get from having um, jars of, of leaves and things yeah. that I'm not going to use. I just have them there because I think they're so yeah. interesting and they have a an assortment of things and some one time a friend of mine had these cool little berries that she found and she had them they were dried and she like sprinkled seed beads in there too oh and cute. she had that in a little jar it was pretty cute yeah so you know this the sky's the limit as far as making sure that you're healing yourself and feeling attached to where you are rather than just feeling like there's just walls around you yeah. You know, and as you're gazing at, at something that's beautiful, that's a meditation too. It sure is. So yeah. That's one of the many reasons why art is so important in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, that was a ramble. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Goodness sakes. But, Jimmy Betts, if you're listening, thank you very much for bringing so much healing into our lives. And I, I get to have him as a guest at my house when he comes by and he is a delight because he's so interesting you just Mm -hmm. sit down have a little cup of coffee and next thing you know we're having this long long philosophical Mm -hmm. conversation and you know i'm always peppering him with with uh, plant questions because he goes all over the place but oh he is he's wonderful so thank you for coming on to our show and as always always, put an herb on it The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies